Philippians chapter 4. One of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible is Philippians chapter 4. As a matter of fact, the first series that I preached through in the little house on 706 South Thornton that was used as a haunted house the October 31st before we got in it on February, and we turned into a holy house, amen, and uh, was a series on the book of Philippians, on Be Joyful. And uh, what's amazing about this book is written from prison. And a lot of people lose their joy when things go wrong and when things are not uh, on their calendar and the Lord allows some things to come in your life that you didn't expect and they lose all their joy. They lose all their steadfastness and they even lose some of their faith. But I believe that this chapter is one of the greatest chapters on um, not worrying about anything. Matter of fact, it just tells you not to worry about a thing but in everything with prayer and supplication. I believe worrying is a sin. I believe that we all commit it, and we all commit it by lying, saying we're not worried, we're just concerned. Amen? No, we're worried, praise God. We're very worried. Uh, and, you know, um, uh, a lot of people get worried about little things that become big things, and some people worry about things that they can't control, but we need to realize that God's in control. And so the uh, chapter 4 of Philippians is a great chapter. But I want to emphasize chapter, uh, verse 19 as our text. If you'll stand in honor of the Word of God, we'll read our text and we'll preach through the whole book. I mean the whole chapter. You said whole book. Lord, help us. We won't be here a while. No, just the whole chapter. Amen. It says, But my God shall supply all your need according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It says, But my God shall supply all your need. Now you'll notice the conjunction uh, is, in the, is in verse 19, but also there's a conjunction in verse 18. It says, but I have all and abound and full and have received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you as an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. This is a thank you letter from a missionary. His name is Paul. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this chapter and thank you, God, for this emphasis that you will meet all our needs if we are concerned about the needs of missionaries. And we're concerned about missions. You said you'd meet and you promised as we give that you'd give to us, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. But God, if we'll be a vessel of grace, you'll give us more grace. And Lord, thank you for this promise and help us dare not take it out of context but to realize this promise is for a missionary church. This promise is for a giving Christian. This promise is for a Christian that's content in you and not just the things of this world. And God, thank you that he, you promised that you would meet our need and not our greed. And so, Lord, please help us to be content no matter what we're going through with you and have faith in thee. And so, Lord, please help us as we preach this wonderful chapter in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the greatest blessings that's possible on this earth, I believe, as the Apostle Paul said in verses 1 through 12, and that's to be content and have peace and not worry about a thing. Not worry about a thing. In other words, faith makes a difference in every part of our life. And we sometimes are so anxious and so insecure. And uh, here's Paul 
that he was perfectly content in Nero's prison in Rome with no comforts, no luxury, no freedom, and no guarantee of life. And here he says, I've learned uh, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Amen? I got uh, four grandchildren at my house. Two of them are real little. We had a miracle yesterday. We went to Cartersville someplace I ain't never been, some covered bridge out in the woods somewhere. I said, what in the world are we going to take pictures out here for? Well, it was beautiful. I guess the background made up for the, some of the faces. But it was, uh, it was a miracle to see uh, that many people together because our family's all over the world and uh, got them all together, no griping. Everybody was smiling on cue and had wonderful family pictures. And I thought to myself, man, I'm blessed to have 12 grandchildren, two of them adopted, and, uh, and they're all in church, and their parents all love God, and they all put God first as far as I know. I mean, they're not perfect. They're like their, they're like their granddaddy. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying it's a blessing that I, I don't take for granted. And I saw those pictures and saw those smiles. But, folks, Paul had everything not to be thankful for. And he says, I'm content, I'm satisfied. He even said, I'm radiantly happy. He said, I, I rejoice in this. He said uh, in verse 4, rejoice the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, understand the content. He's in jail. He's in jail for speaking for Christ, for standing for Christ. And he's saying, rejoice the Lord always. And matter of fact, he's rebuking some ladies that can't get along with each other in the church. And he names them good night alive. Euothethes and, and Sintithes. And um, I don't know what their nicknames were, but there's their names. And, they, and they'd be the same mind of the Lord. In other words, they were fussing and fighting and complaining and gossiping and at each other's throats, and he's in jail. Now, that's one thing a missionary doesn't need is a church divided, splitting, splattering, and uh, running a political party in their own pews. What we need is to stay together, amen? And, and we're co-laborers together. But I want you to see the contentment in this verse. But then I want to go a little further and say, I don't think we ought to be contented with souls dying and going to hell. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness uh, with contentment is great gain. And that's talking about the, uh, the desire to be rich. And the Bible says it'll be like uh, wings that'll fly away. Amen. You know, you think you got it made and your company goes bankrupt. You know, and so I want I want you to notice some several things about what faith makes a difference. And number one, I believe we ought to realize the purpose of faith, the purpose of faith. And uh, and uh, you know, I really believe that verse eighteen talks about that. But I want to back up just a little bit and show you the purpose of God. Look at verse one. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. The joy and crown of any person in the ministry is, is somebody gets saved and mean it. Amen? I was uh, counseling with a young man that was doing our painting out here. We're restriping the parking lot because I noticed y'all were not parking straight and running into each other. And it was terrible. And I've been praying that somebody come by that needed to work, and this young man came by to work, and I said, well, while he's working, I'm going to counsel. And I was out there, and... Uh, and uh, I was going to help him, and Jay said, no, you'll get your new shoes, all yellow paint. I said, ah, I need to spend some time with him. And I was talking about 
you know, with him about being content with God and not search around for things and how God had blessed him and how he ought to be a blessing and, and just rededicate his life. And it was just a wonderful time of, of, of counseling. And, you know, but I'm telling you, so many people are searching uh, and they're not the joy and crown of a church or parents or grandparents because they're not going on for God. Because look at verse 2. I beseech you, Eudotheus and uh, Syntithes, that they be of the same mind of the Lord. And I entreat thee also, yoke, true yoke fellows. I want you to underline that. I'm preaching on it just a little bit. Yoke fellows, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with others, my fellow laborers, and listen to this phrase, whose names are in the book of life. Now, folks, they were saved by the grace of God, and they're on the way to heaven, but, folks, we shouldn't just stop there. We ought to be yoke fellows, and we need to be fellow workers, and we need to yoke up with people. And that means find somebody doing something for God and join them, and not only join them, but back them. And, and be a yoke fella, same yoke. You can't, maybe all of you go to Africa or India or, uh, I was trying to think of some of the mission fields, Ecuador or Colombia, but you sure can yoke up with them if we take them on, you support them by prayer, you support them encouragement, you support them by contact, you support their families and pray for their kids by name, and you help them. You help them with their finances. You help them with their, with their stress. You help them and you beat the devil off their back. Why? Because God's called you to be a yoke fella. God's called you to be a fella laborer. Now, there's a four-letter dirty word to this now generation is W-O-R-K. And I'm not anybody here. Y'all all hard workers and praise God. You've been at your job for 100 years. But, uh, and some of you retired. But you're still working. As uh, long as you have a wife, you're going to work. Say amen. Uh, retired nothing. Praise God, she's got the honey-do list, and you better get with it. And uh, I know Brother Mar, he's worked harder since he's retired than when he, was, when he was on the job down there in Mohawk for 115 years. You know, and, uh, but, uh, and Nell's probably trying to get him to slow up. He ought to slow up a little bit. But, uh, folks, God didn't call us to retire. God called us to refire. And I ain't interested in retirement. A guy come by today and said, you want to plan for more retirement? I said, no, I'm not planning for retirement. Uh, I'm just trying to get through this day. But I'll tell you this, friend, God help, and, and, and I do have a plan. But I want to tell you, folks, the purpose of God is our names are recorded in heaven. God, Jesus Christ died for your sins and died to redeem you, and you're on the way to heaven. And so what's the power of faith? What's the purpose of faith? The purpose of faith is that we believe God wants to save the world and that God wants to save whosoever will and God wants you to yoke up and labor with missionaries that come our way. And that is a wonderful purpose in living. Folks, we need to rejoice that our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Luke chapter 10, verse 20. But what's Luke 10 about? They went out two by two. Amen? They went door to door. And the devil tried to stop them. And they just rejoiced that their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Folks, the source of our joy is not anything under this earth, but which, uh, but which is permanent in heaven. Our heavenly values, our core values ought to come from heaven. And so he starts off this verse dealing with some problems, rejoicing over the struggles, and reminding them, get it together, ladies, 
we're yoke fellows and we're fellow laborers. Now, how would you like to be in jail, write your church and find out it's fussing, fighting, splitting, and splattering? That's not very encouraging. As a matter of fact, missionaries face that every four years they come back as independent fundamental Baptist uh, missionaries, and they come back and the pastor's not there, and the next pastor's dropping all the missionaries, and they have to go through this revolution or revolving church. And folks, that's not God's will. God's will is for us to be faithful and have eternal purpose and have faith that moves our possessions, moves us uh, to our knees, faith that overcomes the world, the flesh, and the devil, and faith that pleases and exalts God. Can somebody say amen? The only way to please God is by faith. Hebrews 11, 6. Brother Jason preached a tremendous message Sunday morning. I listened to it while I was trying to eclipse five, 10 miles this morning, or yesterday morning. And it was good. I appreciate every word of it. And folks, I want to tell you something. But faith is put to practice when we get a burden for the loss and we hook up with these missionaries and be co-laborers and fellow laborers. Remember, this is a thank you letter from a missionary. That's all this is. He's thanking the church. And I'll show you how he thanks the church in just a minute. So realize the purpose of faith. Look at verse 18. It says, but I have... All, uh, it says, but I have all and abound and am full, having received Epiditus, the things which were sent from you as an odor of sweet smell, a sweet uh, a smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He said, your offering is a sweet fragrance of sacrifice that's acceptable to God. And so don't think that you're paying these missionaries way when you hook up with them, co-labors, you're giving an offering to God. You just happen to be designating your offering to the mission program of this church because you've met some young people like the Wilsons, uh, like uh, Brother Miguel and his wife, like Cason Bloom and his wife that are so young you wonder why, how they're even married. And here they are giving everything they have and all their ch uh, parents and all the relationships and all the luxuries of America and going to a country where it's almost civil war. And the drug cartels rampant in Colombia. Venezuela's migrating down into Colombia. And they're going anyway. Now, folks, I appreciate that. I appreciate it so much, I'm going to back them. I'm going to back them by faith. I'm going to back them by finances. And I'm going to back them by being familiar with their, with their ministry and trying my best to stay up with them and uh, go visit them and encourage them and pray for them. Uh, Saturday morning. Uh, the Blooms were sitting on the second row while I was teaching on the importance of the family. And I said, I want to tell you something. you got a target on your soul. The devil wants to split your family, wants to split your relationship and get on the field and start taking each other for granted. And your marriage uh, uh, goes to pot, pardon the expression, and then you're home. And you're finished. You're, it's over. A missionary from China, uh, his wife got deathly sick over in China. She had to come home. He came home, became the deputation director for uh, Macedonia World Baptist Missions to take Brother Tony Howe's place after he took the pastorate. And uh, then he got bitter at his wife because he wanted to be back in China. Thought it was her fault because she's sick. So he got him a girlfriend and left all five of his, five of his children. And he's out of the ministry, of course, and he's backslidden and he's up for judgment. I don't think it won't happen to you, and it can't happen to you. It can't happen to you. But I'm just saying this, friend, we need to pray the devil off their backs. 
Can you imagine the culture shock for teenagers going over to a third world country? Can you imagine? We need to pray for those teenagers. We need to pray for those children. And if the devil can get them rebellious and sinful and delve into the culture of that country, which is wicked, he's got the missionary. And they're home. And they're on the shelf. And they're finished. So there's a warfare, but there's a purpose. And the only reason I believe these couples are going is because they love God enough to take God to them. And then we see, second of all, we need to remember the promises of faith. The promises of faith. That's why, before we read verse 19, our, our, our text, that's why in verse 4 he says, Rejoice the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now folks, that's impossible without faith. It's claiming Romans 8, 28 and 29, that all things work together for the good of them that love God, called according to His purpose. He predestined for ordained that you might be like him, verse 29. That's believing that. It's believing that while everything works together to make you more usable and more like Jesus. That's a hard thought, but it's exactly what God saved you for. He saved you not just to, for by grace are you saved through faith, and it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But verse 10 says in Ephesians 2 that you're his workmanship. You're in his workmanship for good works. You're his workmanship. And folks, God's called you to do something with your life before you get to heaven. It's not just a free ticket to ride to heaven. God's called us to live by faith, to operate by faith, to give by faith. That's why I think faith, promise, giving is a scriptural mandate for a missionary church. I believe, I'm just convicted of it. I, I don't think there's any other way. We're not going to take a percentage out of the general fund. We're not going to have yard sales and bake sales for our missionaries. We're going to depend upon God's people to have faith to flow to a lost and dying world and stretch their lives out to be an offering to someone that you don't even hardly know, but you know they're dealing with lost people. And we can rejoice. We can rejoice over that. You ought to thank God that you have the privilege of being part of a worldwide mission endeavor and we're just not here to redecorate our auditorium. I would be, it's already making me nervous, all the decisions. And you know, sometimes I don't even know if y'all really notice. Y'all, nobody noticed the yellow lines out there. I did, praise God. I wanted to try to help the fellow. Man, he did a wonderful job, good worker. Nobody knows the new light up here in this in this uh, sanctuary. And I said, what am I worried about it for? And I didn't even notice it. Because you don't really look up as much as I thought you did. But we got a new light up. Just see what it looks like. Nobody's ever noticed it. Now you're looking around. Where is it? Amen. <laughs> it's behind the cross. No, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, folks, but that's not our main heartbeat in this church. Our main heartbeat's not building a mega church on this block, but building churches all around blocks of the world. Say amen. And we've given millions of dollars to missions. We could have a million-dollar auditorium out there. But that's not what God's called us to be. God's not called us just to, to uh, have our sealed houses and let the world go to hell. God's called us to have a part in a worldwide endeavor, a worldwide ministry. And if you go on the mission field, you'll see how precious it is. And every one of you ought to go on a mission trip. You ought to. It just, it'll touch your heart. It'll, it'll change your perspective. 
what your little money's doing multiplied with other people's little money that's being a great blessing to somebody to touch and change lives through the power of God. So we have the, the promises of God. And look at verse 6. This is why we should not worry about that. Be careful for nothing. That means don't worry about a thing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with the thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then it says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep, garrison, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here he is with joy unspeakable, unconditional joy, and now he's got peace that passes understanding. That's a pretty good life. And at the same time, he's, he's, he's probably chained to a, a soldier in a jail cell somewhere, and he's saying, Rejoice in the Lord always, and don't worry about a thing, church, and get your act together and stop fussing, ladies, and, uh, and be careful for nothing. Don't worry about a thing. And then the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we see the promises of faith. And the promises of faith brings the presence of God. There's six virtues of Christ described in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Folks, truth, absolute honesty is God. When you yield to Him, you're truthful. And then there's honor. Uh, whatsoever things are honest. And then there's justice, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, that means sincere, inward cleanliness, holy, whatsoever things are lovely, lovely, the loveliness of Jesus. Oh, how lovely Jesus is. How wonderful it is. Some people, as I was witnessing that atheist, he was just, he was, he was just antagonistic towards God. He was just... He was just uh, looking for a fight. He was looking for argument. I refused to do that. I was drinking my sweet tea, smiling at him the whole time he was trying to be vicious. Had metal coming out his lip and his ears and his nose and his eyebrows. And I thought, man, I hope you don't go through a metal detector. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna set everything off. You know, and, I, and, and he was miserable. He was absolutely miserable. Miss Easter over there just giving him the gospel, giving him tracts, telling him about Jesus. Then he would just try to back her down in a corner somewhere. And uh, it's sad. Folks, listen, there ought to be a loveliness about you. There'll be a kindness about you. And then a good report. That's character above reproach. Now, folks, the Bible says, think on these things. If there be any praise, think on these things. The reason that we have stinking uh, living and, 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 and we don't live for God, look at verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. It's because we have wrong thinking. We worry about everything. We are, we're pessimistic. We're negative. You ever been around a negative person? They fuss and fight and nag, and, and they're negative, and it rubs off on you. And the kids turn out that way. It's, it's sad. They gripe as much as mom and daddy. And I want to tell you something, friend. That ought to not be the atmosphere. It's, it should be think on these things. And then verse 9 says, do them. Just do them. He said, what you've seen and heard in me, do. Well, thank God he's in jail, but he's not in jail for going out and getting drunk or drugs or beating his wife. He's going out, he's in jail for representing Christ and suffering for his namesake. And so he says, hey, listen, if you've seen anything good in me, just do it. 
Don't compliment me. Don't get me out of jail necessarily. Just live for God, church. Church of Philippi, live for God and live by faith. Remember the promises of God. And I want you to, I want you to skip down to verse uh, uh, 19. And here's the, one of the greatest promises in the Bible. It says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, folks, I'm almost as guilty of what we all do is taking that verse out of context and just preaching that verse. And, you know, we'll go home in 16 minutes. So I want to back up and give you what verses lead up to it and take it in context. <clears throat> That's why I'm trying to read the whole chapter and preach a little. It says in verse 11 of Philippians 4, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He's content in jail. He's content suffering for Christ. I know both how to be a base and how to be a how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. Need. And then a verse that we love, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Seems like right in the middle of his thank you letter and his closing, he says, I just want to remember, I want you to remember this. The reason I can write with joy in my heart, peace in my soul. Is because it's Christ. That's Listen, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> Your true Christian heart comes out in reactions, not actions. Anybody can plan an action. It's, re it's reactions. Paul's reacting of being in jail. <clears throat> Paul's reacting of these ladies fussing and fighting. Paul's reacting uh, to um, this church that must not be rejoicing and don't have any joy. And he says, please rejoice the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Don't worry about a thing. Be content. And it's not me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now let's close. It says in verse 14, Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. <clears throat> he said, I'm your missionary. And it says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, I departed from Macedonia. No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He's the only one that was supported, that's the only church that supported him. And look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. And they kept faithfully giving to missions. And it says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. What a great passage of, of explaining what will happen to a missionary Baptist church, not by name but by practice, is that if we give, God will meet our need according to His riches and glory. You take it out of context, and all you're doing is shooting up a flare prayer in your disobedience or your lack of faith saying, God, you promised me you was going to meet my need. Don't take it out of context. He did not say He was going to meet your need. He said that my, my God shall supply all your need talking to that church that just sacrificed for his need. And so God promises if you'll give, he'll give back to you overflowing. It's not let's make a deal. It's yielding to the Spirit of God saying, God, I want to live by faith and you will supply it. That's faith. And that's faith promise. And that's faith promise living. And that's faith promise giving. And so my God's the supplier. The surety of that promise, shall. The scope of it, all your need. The source of that promise, according 
to the riches in the glory by Christ Jesus because you have been faithful. So there's a lot of conditional promises in the Bible. And some people just want to pray and say, Lord, why aren't you answering my prayer? Because there's some conditions on that prayer. You've got to have a, a clear spirit. You've got to have faith. You gotta, it's got to be for his honor. And you can't have an offense against somebody. And the Bible says, I want to answer your prayers. I want to hear your prayers. And folks, there's right praying because there's right living. And I just want to close by saying this. We need to realize that, folks, when you have faith, you realize the purpose of faith. That's to see souls saved, God glorified, and joy and peace and contentment. But then the promises of faith is when you live by faith, God will meet your needs, and God will overflow in your life. And I will tell you something. Paul was one of the happiest prisoners you've ever met because half of his epistles were from prison because he knew he was in the perfect will of God, and that's why he could say, don't worry about a thing. I'm not worried about it. Most of us, we would not sleep a wink in jail if we was jailed tonight for, for spreading the gospel. We would be upset, and we'd be trying to figure out how we're going to afford that high-priced lawyer. Amen? That's right. I mean, there, there's a lot of people spent a lot of money on lawyers, and they didn't come through for them. So, folks, we need to recognize the privilege of faith. In verse 20, it says, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's all by grace. It's all from God, and it's all for God. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Look at verse 20. The Bible says, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Now, folks, God is a supplier. God will meet your needs. God has met your needs. You are, your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're, you're co-laborers. You're yoke fellows. You've got a purpose. You have joy. You have peace. You have contentment. And you have the privilege of being a vessel to support missionaries. And Paul says, thank you. And let me guarantee something. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So we need to recognize the privilege of faith. And then last but not least, we need to recognize, we need to recognize in verse 21. I noticed the back screen's not on, so I was wondering if it was up. So I'm glad, glad you got it going. It says, salute every saint in Christ Jesus, the brethren which are with me greet you. And so we see the release of the power of God. All the saints salute you chiefly that there are Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all Amen. He ends it by grace. He ends this great chapter of joy and peace and contentment with grace. And folks, it's only by the grace of God that we can be the vessel of God and have uh, and every saint. God is a co-laborer. You're a partner in furtherance of the gospel. Philippians 1.12, he said, all these things have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. I'm in jail for the furtherance of the gospel. And of course, verse 22, he said, all the saints salute you, chiefly those, those that are in Caesar's household. He says, we need to evangelize the lost. That's the bottom line. And so when we realize the power of God and, real, and release the power of God, we become a mission church. We become a mission-minded church. And there's three things about a mission-minded church I want to give you in closing. Last slide. 
we care for others. We care for our missionaries that are trying to take the uh, gospel to a lost and dying world. We co-labor. We fellow labor. We hook up in the yoke of, of not bondage, but service. And we hook up with Jesus. I believe Jesus' uh, heart is souls around the world, not just in Dalton, Georgia. Around the world. And then second of all, a mission-minded church is committed to work to the work of God. It's found in verse 14 and 15 about communicating <clears throat> with my affliction. And um, the Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And so, folks, it's a committed church. And it was consistently, in verse 16, it says, once again, unto my necessity. They, they, they didn't just give once. They kept on giving. And I don't think we've ever missed a missionary payment in this church. We've got, it's gotten so bad when uh, all the mills went down that I didn't get paid and Jason didn't get paid. But I want to tell you something. Our missionaries never missed one month of their support. And I thank God for that. It's because of your giving, your faithfulness. And then last but not least, this is what I want to just close with. Verse 17 and 18, we see that uh, mission-minded church is credited with fruit that abounds. Look at verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He said, whatever I do, and no matter who I reach, you have a part in it. It's fruit to your account. And I don't think that's a substitute for you not being a missionary right where you're at and going soul winning, going visiting. Don't, don't sit on your missionaries or let your missionaries sit on you. Get out, in the, get out in the streets. But the judgment seat of Christ, folks, I'm going to tell you something. We're going to realize that little is much when God is in it. And this world touched the world. This, this, this church touched the world. This church was part of great mission endeavors around the world. And that ought to get you excited that you got some fruit to your account. And folks, listen, someone came alongside Paul. They were co-laborers. They were fellow laborers. Uh, they were trying to lose their joy, and he was encouraging them as our missionaries encourage us to stay faithful. But folks, I want to tell you something. If you want to have faith that releases the power of God, release it through these missionaries. And release it through a worldwide vision. And your prayers can touch the world. This is something bigger than us. And that's why he said right in the middle of this thank you letter closing paragraph, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. <clears throat> If faith saves you and faith sends them, why shouldn't faith move us to pray, to give, <clears throat> to step out by faith this year and say it's not about us, but it's about the world needing the gospel. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, thank you for enlarging our vision, hopefully. I know you have enlarged my vision through this great chapter. And thank you, dear God, for laying on Paul's heart to thank his church 
for their faithful, consistent faith giving to him. What a great thank you it was. What a great assurance it was that we, he, he gave us this verse that sometimes we take out of context. We don't mean to, but we just, we just need you. But Lord, you said you'd meet all our need according to the riches, to the glory of the riches of Christ Jesus. And God, I thank you for that promise. And I'm claiming that for Whitfield Baptist Church in this coming year. I'm claiming that for every person in this room that steps out by faith and makes a commitment personally and privately to missions. I'm claiming that for them. And they can claim it for themselves. And they can take Philippians 4.19 and say, Lord, you said you'd meet my needs because I have stepped, I'm stepping out by faith. And Lord, I know if you didn't give us another cent or another day's breath or another job or another day's energy or another day's health, we owe everything to you for what you did at Calvary. If you didn't do one thing more for us, we deserve, you deserve everything that we have and everything that we are. Lord, because you've done so much in your love for us. So, Lord, help us to be a mission-hearted church. And God, help us to be a church of faith. And God, stretch our faith this year. Help us not live by figuring. Help us not live by focusing on what other churches are doing in this community. But God, help us to focus on what you did when you died on the cross of Calvary three days later, rose from the dead, and what you did the day you saved us. Thank you, Lord, for being our missionary. And thank you for coming to us when we wasn't coming to you. And thank you for your love. Lord, we're contented in you. We're satisfied in you. We're rejoicing in you. We have faith in you. And we're yielding best we know to you for a great year of doing a all things through you which strengthen.